This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Today on Who's That Star is someone I've known since we attended Lansing Everett High School oh so many years ago. She's smart, high-energy lady that loves and supports the Lansing community. She's involved in many areas at LCC. She currently serves on the Black History Awareness and Indigenous People Awareness Multicultural Committees. She's an inclusive advocate, wise mentor, and ESP association rep. She was recognized as a member of the Lansing Community College community who has made a meaningful contribution to students and the college as a whole. Are you as excited as I am to learn who's today's star is? Drum roll, please. Today's star is Robin Moore. Yay! The applause. Robin, the crowd adores you. Welcome. (laughs) How are you doing today? And welcome to Who's That Star? Hello, Lisa. I'm doing good. And thank you for the warm introduction. Um, This is great. Thank you. As I stated in the intro, I've known Robin for a lot of years. Robin, did we meet in Everett or was it Gardner? Gardner, girl. I know. That's a long, (laughs) long time ago, but we're not going to talk about that. Whenever it was, we have maintained our friendship over the years. And I'm so glad to introduce you to those in the LCC community who hasn't had the opportunity or the pleasure to meet you. Are you ready to get started? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Lisa, I'm ready to get started. All right, Robin, what's your role here at LCC? Ooh, we no. Um, I am a a circulation specialist. I work um, in the library. Um, I've been there for um, a long time, and um, I manage our student employees, and I and I work with our um, our textbook collection, and I do. um, I serve on several committees um, in our department. Um, So yeah. Yeah, our, our, our building has been renovated, so my job responsibilities have changed. So um, I'm just adjusting to my new role. Okay. I have many hats. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting because <laughs> I didn't know that the, the way the building structure changed yeah. would make your job change. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I used to be on um, where we're located. Well, 
we used to have a checkout desk on the second floor, but now it's our help zone, right? So you remember my, when my office mm-hmm. was on the second floor? Well, now I'm, I'm in the back in our department suite because we no longer have students working in that space, right? Gotcha, yeah. So we have our, our part-time help zone um, uh, employees that work in that space now. So my job has changed a lot. Um, I'm not interfacing um, with the um, our users like I used to. You know, before I was I was engaging with all of our students. You know, mm-hmm. that came into the library, but it's not like that anymore because I'm back in the department suite. So my job has changed. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in the role as a circulation specialist? Well, it's, it's just my title changed. Um, I've been. I was <laughs> when I first started. It was a. Uh, um, I was a user services supervisor. And then we went to access service supervisor. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me rewind that. It was an access service supervisor. Then my title changed to user services supervisor. And now it is a circulation specialist. Right. And so with the change in your title, some of your duties have changed. Are you enjoying the change that you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, I do. Actually, um, it's, it's changed a bit, but, you know, being on the floor, being um, front line, right, really engaging um, with our um, our patrons, our customers, I don't do that as much, and I miss that yeah. because I love that. You know I'm And you're energy. good at that, too. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah. But I do. I miss that. I miss that. Um, the interactions. I miss the our regulars coming in looking for me, right? Because I always kept some snacks in my office <laughs> or just anything they needed, you know, and a, a pencil, a a folder, whatever, food. You know, I just I I like I, I miss being of that service to our um to our patrons, to our customers. And you know, I I believe that because yesterday as I was walking to the car, there was an old student that was parked next to me and she graduated and I said, Hey, how are you doing? And she was like, Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm about to go to the library. And I said, are you taking classes? She's like, no, I just feel comfortable. I need to think of some things out and I want to come to the library. And I was like amazed because I was like, wow, we impact our community even when our students leave. And so the library must be a safe place. You know, it's some place where she feels comfortable. And I just think that's an attribute to the staff over there and you different people that make people the students feel comfortable. So I think that's a great job, and I'm glad I got an opportunity to tell you that because oh. and pass that along to your staff. You oh. have a welcoming environment over in the library, and so I think that's great for our students. Plus, there's so much stuff you guys do in the library. Like, there's a lot of roles oh. that go on in the library, so I'm going to make sure I try to introduce some other people. But what's your favorite part of your job? Oh, wait. Let me think. Um, my favorite part... Now, um, we, my favorite part of my job is, I have to say this, um, I had an opportunity to serve as a, um, interim coordinator in the office of diversity and inclusion and under Dr. Bailey's leadership. And it was an awesome experience ever since she came to the college, um, I've been involved in DEI work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if it's just attending a workshop or, being a part of RISE for support staff or signing up to be an inclusion advocate. It's just a passion of mine, right, to make sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion is embedded in every space that that I come in contact with, right? Yeah. So we at the library, we have now 
uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion team to make sure that our practices, our policies, our services, everything that we do, DEI is embedded in that. Yes. And I think that that's, I'm really finding joy serving um, on that committee. And so because I'm not interacting with this, with our users, you know, like I used to, um, I really find joy in that. Yeah. And also my supervisor, my, uh, our leadership, um, allows me to really, um, tap into my gifts and talents. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, there's different, like, uh, there's a couple of programs we got going on now. We've got a, a pop-up mobile library card. Um, and I, and we, we go around the campus, right? Mm -hmm. We're piloting it now, but so far we've been in the CCLC, um, learning or Cesar Chavez learning center, um, during their empower hour. Okay. And so that's been really nice because I've been able to engage with, you know, students that come into that space. So, um, and that's part of our DI team, right? One of the programs that are one of the you know, programs that came out of our team. So, um, that's been great. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell the passion yeah, that, I love that it. you have. And I'm so excited for you. I, I, that's one of the things that I do appreciate about LCC is that you do get a chance to explore your talents and gifts yeah. if you want to, right? If you want to. If you want to take that opportunity, they'll let you go renegade sometimes and do different <laughs> stuff that's out of your, like, job title. If yeah. you want to experiment that and, you know, it's not taken away, but it gives you that opportunity. And so I'm really appreciative of that. How long, you said, you kind of skimmed by it but mm. I was wondering how many years actually have you worked on campus mm. so it'll be 24 years uh September Tw oh no excuse me August August so 24 yeah. years yeah August yeah isn't and that heavy that's, that's deep that's <laughs> a lot but I mean I think yeah. that's a good place a good thing that you've been able to stay and work at the same place for 24 years yeah I thought it was important because when I came to campus um I was um, transitioning my career. I, I was in retail, right? Mm -hmm. And I was a single mom. So, you know, I, I came back to school because I wanted to go into education. And uh, I was 28 years old. And um, I got a job working in the library. Mm. I, uh, so You were student staff then. I was student staff. And um, a part-time supervisor position um, came open. And my supervisor said, hey, would you be interested in this? You know, I had worked in leadership before. I was um, management at Target, Target, my favorite <laughs> store. Ooh, they get all my money. Everybody but, loves Target. <laughs> but um, so I was, uh, I opened up the Target on Saginaw, and I worked there, and I was a, back then it was called a level two. I worked in electronics. So, um, so I was in leadership at Target, and so when I came back to school at 28, I wanted to go into education. Um, I got a job at, here at the college or in the library because I was on campus and it worked for me. And, um, and then I had another job. I was like a telemarketer. So, you know, I had two jobs going okay. to school, single mom. And my supervisor asked me would I be interested in a part-time position and I applied for it and I got it. And so it just fit for me because I was a single mom. I was going to school and I never left. Um, it was important to me that I had stability. I think that's important for mm -hmm. me. And so, and I needed that and yes. my child needed it. So I stayed and I, and I've worked and I've done, you know, I've always stayed in the library, but I was always able to participate and grow. Yeah. And 
by having that opportunity to grow, it wasn't a problem staying. Right, because you, know? you were still making progress, yes. and so you could see it, and that makes yes. a difference. It made a difference. I, I hear you talk about your passion for education. Mm. You were going. You came to school for education. I did. Now you have a role. Uh outside of LCC that's really heavily involved in education. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was crazy. I never would have thought that. Uh, well, yes, I do. I mean, go to, let me rewind. Um, I used to say, I should run for school board. Whenever I got mad at, at the school <laughs> district, I would say, I should run for school board. But um, 2020, um, my father died. My mm. father died during COVID. And I cut all my hair off. <laughs> And dieted, I know this is crazy, right? Dieted, I did, I dieted blonde. And I said, I'm running for school board on passion. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it was just like something, when my father died, something else birthed inside of me. Hmm. And um, didn't know what I was walking into because I wasn't mad at the school district. I just, you know. You wanted to help, make a difference. Yeah, but there was times where I would say, when I would be upset with the school district and I would say, I'm going to run for school board just to kind of make a change. But this particular time it was just, huh? And I just went down and signed up to, to run. Did you think you would win? I didn't know, but this is how I know. See, mm, God is good. I'll just say that because it wasn't, it was a seat open and I basically just walked into it. Dr. Brian Beverly's seat. He didn't, he didn't run. And so it was uh, three seats open, and and two of the um, two of our our board members, you know, they ran and they got their seat, and I got the other seat, Doctor Beverly's seat. And so, yeah. Well, I congratulations. What you. are some of your goals for that role? Wow, it's interesting that you that you said that. Um, we have a six year term, and um, my goal is just to serve for six years. I um I want to make sure that um that our students and our educators, and when I say educators, I don't mean just our teachers. Anyone that works in education is an educator. Mm -hmm. From the custodian. Bus driver. Hello, you better talk about it. <laughs> Secretary. Yeah. Everybody yeah. makes it work. Yep. Right, everybody makes it work. So I just want to be able to make sure that there's, um, that they have what they need, that that the, that the space um, is um, inclusive, equitable, accessible. Um, the so students, you're bringing that work from that you learned mm -hmm. here at LC. And, okay, that's mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah, students have, you know, quality education is shown up important, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just want to make sure that um, that my voice, you know, that I do the best that I can to serve, you know? Yeah, you know, you you people talk about it, you being about it, you know what I'm saying? And I think that that's something that's really good. A lot of people want to make changes, but don't necessarily take the steps to do that. And making one step, doing one thing can make a difference for a lot of people. And so I commend you on that. I thank, thank you because my child was in the Lansing School District. Yeah. So I know that there's people there that are trying to make sure that it goes in the right direction. Our students get educated. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's a good win-win. So I'm glad that you're in that role. I'm happy that you won. And I wish you much success. Thank you. So based off of... You got a six-year term. Yeah. Do you think you'll run again? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> That's a long time. No. Um, no. No. I think that it's important to um, give others an opportunity, right? Right. 
You know, no, I, I'm not going to run again. Okay. Unless God come down and say, you know what? You run it again, though, but I'm not going to run again. <laughs> All right. I, hey, I respect <laughs> that you did run, and, you, and you're working, and you're doing the work. So I appreciate that. Well, with that question, where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh-wee. I see myself um, preparing for retirement from Lansing Community College and um, starting another career in education, continuing my, 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 um, my career in education. Yeah. If it's um, working um, in the district, um, I, I really think I might do that. And also I have a vision about um, starting a um, nonprofit, which has kind of started a little bit, but it's Robin's Nest Building Futures. I have really have a passion to help out um, or provide services for our aged out foster youth. Um, and so I've always had the vision and I've, and I've got it written down. It's just, um, fulfilling it. Right. So. You will have that time coming up to work on it. And you have such a, 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 a large array of experience working with youth at different ages. And so yeah. I can see your passion and I can see your passion coming to light. Yeah, so thank you. good luck on that. Mm-hmm. I want to do a couple of fun things hey. before we close it. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you, who do you admire most in the world? Um, oh, I just told this story during um Black History Month. So my mom, I'm just <laughs> my mom, I remember when they asked me this question at Black um during Black History Month uh, well, I was getting interviewed um uh, for the district and um I almost said a celebrity. I said, Hold up, wait a minute. Right. Wait wait a minute. <laughs> my mom and I'ma tell you why. Okay. Um so my mom told uh, me this story um she was um in high school and back then you know she was this was in the 60s mm-hmm. she had a guidance counselor and so she went to her guidance counselor because she wanted to work right so her guidance counselor sent her to this job to this like boarding house to um to work so she said she walked in and the owner told her you know you're going to be you know changing sh- you know bed sheets and washing and all that and my mom was like, okay. And so she said, the owner told her, Joyce, I want you to go get some bread. You know, we've got some people coming in. So my mom said, she said, okay. So she took the money, went to the store, got the bread, and then went back to school and said, I can't work there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she went to another guidance counselor and they placed her in the library. She got a job in the library. And she said, Robin, I did not stay at that job because I am not going to school to change no bed linen and to wash no sheets. Hmm. And and I and I love that story because oh I love it so because it shows first of all her courage. Mm-hmm. Courage is the greatest virtue. That's why I'm on the school board. It took courage for me to step out. You're right. It takes courage to 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 step out of your comfort zone. And so in in during the '60s, she was like, look, uh uh-uh. uh. My worth is way better than right. washing some sheets and, you know, and being a black female. So I love that. So my mom is who I admire because of her courage, her love, her compassion, her kindness. That's just my homie. Yes. She's my homie. And who better to admire? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I love that story, too. Um, I have want to ask you, mm-hmm. go green, go blue. Girl, we are a house divided. I'm going to tell you why. Mm-mm-mm. So my father, bless his heart 
gold blue all day long. Mm-hmm. He would give us like the tickets that he and my uncle had season tickets for mission games. So any games they didn't want, they would give them to you know me. Mm-hmm. And so we, me and my husband would go to the games or me or I, I would give him to him and he would take, you know, our son or his friends. But so we were go blue, go blue. My husband's go blue. My son Kingsley is go blue. Well, my daughter Kanai graduated from Michigan State. Woo woo. Go green, right? So I was like, hold up. We're house divided. I'm not going to stay stay with blue. I'm going green. Right. So it's go green. <laughs> so now we got half and half, huh? Yes. And Kanai uh, used to work here at LCC as well. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, she was a part of our staff over in um, Student Affairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah Star yeah. Zone. Star Zone, mm-hmm. yeah. She did an excellent job and then went to Michigan State. Where is she at now? EY, Ernst & Young. She's a corporate recruiter. Wow. Yeah, and she's moving to Chicago and in July. She's she's cracks me up. I know. Just yeah. just making change, just being grown. Who Cor- let her do that? Being courageous. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Well, Robin, I'm gonna close it up with my last question. All right. And I want to ask you, what do you want your legacy to be at LCC? Mm, I just want um I just wanna be remembered as um, just being um, a welcoming, kind um, individual that um, did whatever she could to make a difference mm-hmm. um, in the community, in the LCC community. You know, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's a, a great goal. Yeah. And I think you're already doing that really well. Thank so you. I want to thank you, Robin for coming today. All right. And I'm glad to have the chance to talk with you and learn about the circulation specialist, the role in the library, and your role as a community leader and your passion for life. Thank you, Lisa. I always like chit-chatting with you. Well, I enjoyed <laughs> it as well. So we will see you next week hey. on Who's That Star? You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star? and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out who's that star. Featuring the faculty, staff, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. LCC Connect, Mid-Michigan's connection to Lansing Community College. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College has been a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship since 2016. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason Public School students. These selected students are chosen by the Mason Public Schools at the end of the fifth grade and then become a Mason Promise Scholarship through an induction ceremony. Over the course of the next six years, these students receive mentoring and support as well as introduction to career possibilities through the Pathway Program. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu hope. Hey everybody, this is Josh Groban. 
After so many years on the stage, one of my favorite things about music is its ability to inspire and nourish the soul. That's why I'm proud to work with Feeding America, an organization that inspires hope for families in need and helps nourish the 16 million kids in this country struggling with hunger. Every year, billions of pounds of excess food go to waste, while one in five children may be left not knowing where their next meal is coming from, or if it's even coming at all. Thankfully, the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food and helps deliver it to kids in need across the country. But they can't do it alone. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan Reconnect, a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. Reconnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu slash reconnect for more information. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Arts Connect at LCC, an arts hub of LCC events open to the entire community. Coming up, LCC's music ensembles are on the move. Catch some great concerts around town. Saturday, April 30th, the LCC Jazz Band. They perform at the Hastings Jazz Festival at noon. The LCC Rock Band plays at the Avenue in Lansing from 6 to 8 p.m. Sunday, May 1st. And there may be some surprise guests. Interested in being on stage? Come audition for LCC Summer Stage Festival shows. Wiley and the Harry Man, April 27th from 5 to 7 p.m. in the Black Box Theater in the Gannon Building. Visit lcc.edu slash artsconnect for dates, times, locations, and links. Keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Lansing Community College Library offers comprehensive research assistance and provides students with 24-7 access to online academic materials. Fall registration opens April 25th. Learn more at lcc.edu slash youbelong. LCC Connect is looking for Lansing Community College students to catch the vibe with the podcast Power Up. LCC students, your voice is important, so take this opportunity to tell us what's important to you with a chance to host a podcast-based radio show on 89.7 FM. The deadline to enter the podcast power-up is June 3rd. Find details at lcc.edu slash power-up. That's lcc.edu slash power-up. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Teachable Moment, the show where you get to know the people that make LCC go. I'm Steve Robinson, president of Lansing Community College, and I go one-on-one with a member of our campus community to learn about a key concept or idea from their area of expertise. It's a show about what makes LCC great, the fantastic people with inspiring ideas who change lives every day in their incredible work. My guest today is Paul Schwartz, who from our IT department. Paul, how are you doing? Great. Tell me what your specific role is. What's your job title? I'm the Director of Information Security here at Lansing Community College. A very important and timely role given what's happening in our world with threats to cybersecurity. So uh, how long have you been here? I've been here six years. 
So you've probably seen a lot when it comes to um, security issues and threats having to do with computer. What what's the biggest, you know, the 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 biggest uh, issue that you see happening on a daily basis? Yeah, we've get a lot of threats, and they happen daily. Mm -hmm. And the biggest threat to you as the president and to employees is phishing. Okay, phishing, and I think that probably is something what we're going to talk about on this episode. So. Um, where did you do your training? How did you how did you get uh, to be into this field? Yeah, so let's back up 30 years. 30, And okay. that's when the Air Force offered me a scholarship to pay for college if I would serve four years in the Air Force. And I did that, and it was so much fun, I ended up staying. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your service. So you served in the Air Force. Um, mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about your time in the Air Force. So I did a lot of boring jobs, but I did a lot of exciting jobs. And some of those were I worked um, on the B-2 stealth bomb doing really? software evaluation. Oh, I was the head of Air Force ROTC at the University of Minnesota, and I did an exchange assignment into the British military uh, to a unit that protected uh, the entire military. It's just 300,000 people of security threats. And so, yeah, it was a blast. And that, that uh, 20 years I stayed in, and it culminated in me earning the rank of lieutenant colonel. And then um, being in charge of an 85-person IT department at Dias Air Force Base down in Texas and traveling the world and living overseas. I lived in downtown London. I lived in Frankfurt, Germany. I deployed to Afghanistan. I, I met my wife. We had two kids. I traveled the world. It was just great. That's phenomenal. So so the, the exchange in the UK, was that with RAF or? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, well, their version of the Pentagon, which is called Whitehall. It's in downtown London. Sure. That's where I worked. And uh, I oversaw uh, all branches of the military, any cybersecurity threats and incidents. We did incident response and uh, tried to protect uh, their entire military um, branch. That's incredible. So when were you in London? It was in 2011 to 2013. Okay. I really want to get back to London. I did one semester of college in London a long time ago, in the 80s. And uh, I know that city's changed a ton since I've been there. I lived uh, right in Regent's Park. Okay. I, I lived over by the Chelsea Football Club Stadium in Fulham Broadway. It's, it's uh, on the circle line and district line. But oh, what, what was also great about living there was my unit ended up moving out to Bath, England, which is about an hour and a half west of England. Sure, very famous resort town. It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. I had a great experience there living in the country, and then we had the great experience living in downtown London. So it was a, a great opportunity. What a cool story. Well, again, thanks for your service in the Air Force, and it sounds like you learned a lot in the military that you're actually able to put into practice here at LCC, so that's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah, we, we're, we're protecting national top-secret information in the military, and at LCC, we have some what we consider top-secret information also. That's student information, their social security numbers, their bank accounts, the, the credit card numbers. So we actually have um, a good amount of information we need to protect at LCC also. Yeah, and a data breach in a public higher ed institution can be a big deal. I mean, you probably remember what happened a few years ago at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, as an alum, I got a lot of letters about you know the data breach there so we we thank you for working to make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen i appreciate it one of my main roles is keeping your picture off the front page of the lansing uh, state journal i i appreciate that very very much uh, uh well look uh, the show is called teachable moment and you're here not just so we can have this great conversation and visit which is super fun 
but you're going to teach me something today. So why don't you uh, tell me, what is your teachable moment? What, what, are, what am I going to learn today? So today you're going to learn how to identify a fish email. Okay. And, and I think I know when you say fish, we're not talking F fish. We're talking, how do you spell this fish? E-H-I-S-P-H. Okay. Very good. So tell me about it. How do I do that? Okay, so phishing in a broad sense is a technique that uses malicious emails, phone calls, texts, and social media posts that are disguised as trustworthy or legitimate, but they're not. They're fake. What they're trying to do is they're trying to fool you into capturing your sensitive information, like your social security number, your credit card number, your bank account info, something the criminals can monetize. Okay. They're also trying to get you to open up a link or an attachment to infect your computer with malwares so they can get a foothold into the network and then capture your info or spread more malware. And finally, they're trying to get you to do something nefarious, like, hey, I'm stuck in a meeting. Can you go buy me some gift cards? Oh, this has happened to me. This has happened to me. So, yeah, keep going. I want to learn more. Now, here's some classic fish examples. Okay. Now, All right. The IRS emailing you saying you owe them money or your uh, refund is, is uh, being held up. Okay. Another one is Microsoft contacting you that their help desk sees that you have malware on your computer. And finally, like Netflix, Apple, or PayPal emailing you to verify your account. All these situations, they're all fake. These companies don't do this. These are all criminals trying to trying to fool you. Well, interesting. I want to learn more. First, I will have to give you some feedback on being a good teacher. You started with a definition. That's a great thing. So if you're listening at home, uh, that definition of what a phishing attack is is a really important part of your lesson here. So I'm guessing now you're going to go a little deeper and tell me you know, how I can spot these things. Because everything you said sounds bad, and of course I would never do that. But these folks can be pretty uh, creative and inventive, right? And they, they get people like me to, to bite on these phishing. How, what can I do? Yeah. So LCC re receives 10 million emails each month, uh, but only about 300,000 of those are legitimate. So 99% of our emails, roughly, are not. They're, they're spam, they're fish, they're malware emails. And what LCC has done is we have a sophisticated email filter mm -hmm. that uses artificial intelligence. It looks at all the factors of the email, such as the sender and their reputation and the content and the uh -huh. links and so forth. And it filters out those to only provide the user's legitimate emails. But some of those fake emails, they do get through the system before it can catch up and recognize, you know, through its systems that it's a fake email. So, so let me make sure I understand. Did I hear you right? 10 million emails? 10 like, million emails we average. And, and, and what time period? Just for employees in one month. No way. I, and so of those, you said about 300,000 uh, have some kind of malicious... 300,000 are the legitimate ones. Oh, the legit... So, and the rest of... 9.7 of them are fake, malicious, spam... You know, not good emails. That seems like the odds are against us, right? That uh, just a small portion of those uh, 10 million emails are legit communications and the rest of it is some kind of mess or attempt to, to trick us? Exactly. And they're targeting you as the president for four reasons. The first is... Your information, such as your name, your position, and your contact info, it's readily available right, on the internet. Right. You're pretty famous We're, here Well, at LCC. conspicuous is what I would say. I don't know if I'm famous The yet. second is your influence. You are considered the quarterback of LCC. Okay. You're at the top of the chain of command, a military mm -hmm. term, or the supervisory ladder. Um, sending you a fish and compromising you, criminals know that you have a lot of influence on others. The third reason, you're very busy. 
I assume you're very busy. It's Well, that's why I was late today, Paul, and I apologize. <laughs> you're probably under pressure. You're juggling time-critical tasks. Mm-hmm. And you're probably suffering from what psychologists call an attentional bias. And this may cause you to underestimate the threat of phishing. Ah. And the fourth reason is your level of access. You're probably the approval authority of, say, wire transfers. Yeah. And you probably have access to a lot of confidential information. So these are the four reasons that fishers are going to target you. Interesting. And, and when you come back to that whole gift card thing, which if we talk about that, unfortunately, I lived through that a little bit. The other thing I would imagine is that... Um, People who get a communication from me are more likely to jump without thinking when the president asks them to do something, right? Yep, yep. we're going to jump how high. We're not going to question whether well, to jump. Well, on these things, if you're listening and you work at LCC, I would never ask you to go anywhere and buy anything on short notice. Uh, we have very specific uh, checks and balances for that. So if if you ever get an email from me asking you to buy gift cards, it's not real. Okay, so let's talk about phishing. Yeah, let's do it. First, it's okay to open and read emails, but once you open the attachment or the link, or you enable the macro in that attachment, or you enable editing or the content, or you download the pictures or display the images, or let's say you enter a password that's in the same email as the attachment, or if you provide your credentials to a website, any of these things are bad and could compromise your computer or give up your credentials. So let me make sure I understand. If I, if one of these malicious emails, if I, I can't do anything bad by just opening it up. Yep. Just click on open it up. Nothing That's bad. okay, but I should stop there, right? Yeah. Okay. And what you're doing when you stop right there, you're taking the time to identify the fish red flags. And okay. these are going to determine whether the email is legitimate. And the number one reason by far that I get from people that have been fished, they said, I was in a rush. I didn't take the time to look th- look at the email. Okay, so what I'm going to do is give you the seven fish red flags. I love it. Seven things. I'm going to see if I can remember that. Here we go. Number one, what you need to do is match the display name, which is in the from field of the email, with the sender's email address and the sender's signature block. And you're going to look for consistency there. A lot, often, uh, someone will put a fake LCC in the display name, but the email's like to some free Gmail or Hotmail account. LCC emails only come from LCC EDU. Okay, so making sure that the name matches the actual address. Yep. Okay. And you're going to be suspicious if they don't have any contact information in the email or a signature block. And this is kind of tough to do on a phone, this technique, because it won't display the entire display name or the email address. Criminals have figured out if they make a super long email address, it won't display right on a phone, and you won't be able to tell who it's from. Interesting. All right, and you you could also compare the email to previous emails sent from the same sender to see if that email is consistent. Okay. And here's the surprise. This can all be spoofed. Criminals can put whatever they want in that display name. They can put whatever they want in that email address. They can put whatever they want in that signature block. So you got to take this with a grain of salt. Okay. All right, here's the second fish. Okay. uh, Red flag. You, you need to look at the link or attachment. These are often in phish emails. Uh, once you open this link or attachment, it could lead to a malware infection. Okay, so with links, you need to hover over the link. And what this does is a little box will sh- show the true uh, um, website address. And does it look familiar? And are you able to identify the root domain of that to, to go where you want the website to go to? So criminals can change just one small thing, and it's not going to go to the same website you're expecting to. Got it. Okay. Now, with attachments, you're going to want to scan those uh, with a 
uh, at a website like VirusTotal.com or HybridAnalysis.com. And what these websites do, they use 60 different antivirus products to review the website or, or the attachment and tell you whether whether it's safe to open. Okay. All right, the third one. Yes. Third fish red flag. We're going to look for the language, the grammar, the locals, and the formatting of the email. Now, these might sound off like it's not coming from a native English speaker. Or how about this? Professional organizations like Walmart and Netflix and Apple, they won't ask you uh, for your login info or your credit card number or your social security number in emails. And they have very professional-looking emails with logos and, and formattings. And again, all these can be spoofed. Uh, we've received emails at LCC that have been exact replicas of our emails, uh, our, our email quarantine e notification emails, the same colors, the same blocks. Okay. All right, here we go. The fourth fish red flag. The sender doesn't uh, seem to know you. And so is the email addressed to Dr. Steve Robinson or does it say dear customer? Ah, okay. And so this is a spray and pray type of technique that criminals use. They're, They're just hoping somebody's so busy or not paying enough attention that they might get lucky. Exactly. All right, it. we're going to go on to the fish red flag number five. Number five. The content is bizarre, unbelievable, or too good to be true. <laughs> so, you say that like it doesn't apply to some of, some of our regular emails. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, so it's really out there or too good to be true, yeah. like you won something. Large financial rewards for little investment, a prize award, conf confirmations. You also have to look at it in context. As a president, do you deal with resumes and invoices right. and documents that don't have anything to do with your position why are you receiving this email that i got one suspicious. like that i got one like that on uh, instagram or somebody who it was the real name of somebody who won the lottery and he was like hey i'm being nice and i'm gonna give you you know are you ready for your winnings i'm gonna give you my winnings and I, people your colleagues uh, across the country have taught me yeah this guy who won the lottery doesn't want to give me any money I, block <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Fish red flag number six. Number six. Urgency wording. Criminals want you to act quickly without thinking. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have claims that you, you're going to get an arrest warrant or have a virus infection or your account's been hacked or you'll pay a fine or lost access or you're, you'll lose some critical benefit like your insurance policy is expiring or, you're, or the, a, a limited discount on some deal. What they're trying to get you is to Act without thinking. And, and you might even see an um, image, uh, like a click here now button, uh, with an embedded link behind it that'll send you off to a bad website. So what I hear you saying there with urgency is they're trying to short circuit all the previous uh, red flags that you meant. So like you have to act now if you're going to get this big. And, and that's something that I've tried to discipline myself online and in life. If somebody says, you know, we need this done in two weeks. And then say, okay, well, if that's the time frame, fine, but I'm not going to uh, skimp on the, you know, the background research. We'd have to, we have to make sure that this is real. So cool. That's, so that's number six. Number seven, fish red flag. Were you expecting the email? If not, then be suspicious. Treat all emails as if they are malicious. So, but what we've also seen recently is that the criminals are now compromising a person's account and then replying to all the emails in the inbox. Now, when you receive those, you're like, yeah, I was expecting an email from President Robinson. We, him and I were just talking. And so you've let down your guard and, oh. oh, it says I need to review a document. I better open that link. But you need to check the address. You need to look for all the red flags, even with someone you know. This also reminds me of a tip I missed earlier, and that is 
when you look at a link, it might be a shortened link. Okay. Like, uh, like a tiny t- URL, yep, right? Twitter that kind of thing. Twitter use the t.co, but there's also Bitly and Owly and all the others. Right. There are URL lengthener websites like checkshorturl.com where you can lengthen those and look at the true address of where those are going. Oh, that's, I didn't know about that. So if I get, like I often use tiny URL and I don't know if they earn any money. I hope not. I, I, I just, I find, it's the first one I learned about. So if I've got a super long URL, I'll put it into tiny URL to make it small. But what you're saying is there's a site where someone can take that and and find out what it really is before they click on it. What what is that again? That is a check UR ch- I'm sorry, check short URL.com. Check short URL.com. You just gave me a new tool. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, if you Google URL lengthener, there'll be a thousand sites, but that's oh, okay. the one I recommend. All right, good. And so what criminals are still trying to do is they're trying to fool you. They don't want you to know where that link is going. And it's probably going to a website that has malware or um, asks you for credentials. And one thing users need to realize is that just by going to the website is all you need to do. There's no button you need to hit that says install malware or execute or I approve or anything. Just by going to some of these bad websites, it automatically downloads malware on your machine and you don't even know it. So first of all, those are seven amazing tips and thank you for them. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. Let me tell you something I do now that I think is informed by your strategy. like anyone in digital life, I have all kinds of subscriptions and accounts with just about everything. When I get an email telling me to do something from my bank or my credit card or you know a service like Netflix or something, what I've tried to do is I actually leave my email client, go to a website and start fresh. I mean, I'll go if. If FedEx wants me to look at my account, I'll go and I'll go FedEx.com and I'll log in separately so that the so that that email and what I'm doing doesn't touch. Is is that good? That is perfect. That's okay. actually involved. That's actually a step here in um, how to respond to these fish emails. Now let me give you all the steps. Okay. The first one is call the sender. Ask them if the email is legitimate. Okay. You can also report the fish to the LCC help desk, and my team will review it and give you back a legitimacy. Um, rating. Of- so we can do that if we get one of these and we seem it seems suspicious. We should forward to forward it to you and say, "Is this real?" That is right, and we respond really quickly, and we'll let you know whether it's safe or not. Okay, so for the LCC folks listening, what's the email address we send it to? At the, the help desk, which is lcc1 at lcc.edu. LCC1. That's the that's the help. Okay, great. Now, if the, if you receive a phish email in your personal account, it has nothing to do with work. You can also report it as fish. And in uh, Gmail and also in Outlook, you'll see the buttons at the top. Okay. Uh, and then remember, don't give your social security number, or credit card number, or personal info to anyone that is initiating the communication with you, such as calling you or emailing you. You Got don't know it. if they are legit or not. So I always recommend that you initiate the conversation. You immediately initiate the communication such like you said you went to the your browser you went to your bookmark or you googled the you know walmart.com right and you went uh to the site that way now if you've fallen uh for a fish email and and offered up your credentials or infected your machine what i need you to do is change your password immediately conduct an antivirus scan and then report that incident into the help desk okay so so once if we do because it's inevitable right even smart people who are critical thinkers will fall for these every once in a while 
I'm my head is still spinning about the numbers you gave me about our monthly emails. Ten million, but only three hundred thousand are legit. Yeah, uh, that's incredible to me. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what else can we do? I I, uh, I I would love for you to. You've got a platform to tell all kinds of users uh, how to be safe. What else would you tell our listeners? Uh, so with with phishing, you've received the seven golden red flag They're rules. Good. You are now licensed to open up your email my, and to read my it. Anti-phishing license. You are trained as a as a fish identifier. Um, so beyond that, uh, what I need users to do is remember that email is not encrypted. So it's the equivalent of writing information on a postcard and mailing it. So when you go to send emails, keep all your credit card numbers and all your social security numbers out of those. You that's a good that's a good analog. So what I hear you saying is like it's an email is just like a postcard where anybody who is delivering it from one place to another can read it, right? Yep. And if I remember from the early days of the internet, does the email still work like this? It's it it just gets copied, copied, copied over and over from point to point, right? Yeah, sure. It's uh, passed along several nodes in its path, and if each one of those has a nefarious person with a sniffer, can, they can read any of the email traffic, anything you say in there, and they can capture that and use it against you. Well, I appreciate that. So while you were talking, Paul, one thought I had, and I wonder if you agree with me, all of those seven steps. They just reminded me of critical thinking, you know, not just online, but, you know, with everything, you could almost take all seven of those steps and apply it to what you see on the TV news or what somebody tells you in a conversation that don't accept what you hear automatically is true. Put it through kind of an algorithm of fact-checking. Mm -hmm. That's exactly true, right? You, you, it would help you from falling for fake scams, all types of uh, criminal activities. Well, cool. this has been fantastic, and I really want to thank you for being the first guest on Teachable Moment. I feel like I learned something. I certainly have some data I can share. If this comes up again, I'm going to remember those numbers. 10 million emails and only 300,000 are legit. And that means that the tools that we're using to skim off the bad ones must must work pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the email filter that we're, we we belong to uses threat intelligence from a hundred and twenty thousand different organizations. We're all tied together, and we're all talking to each other, and we're telling each other, "Hey, this sender is now sending fake emails." So it tries to block it for anyone else in the network. Wow. Well, I know your job used to be keeping the free world safe, but thank you for keeping LCC safe uh, from from cyber threat and and phishing emails and paul it's been great talking to you thanks for being on teachable moment thanks a lot teachable moment is recorded and engineered by steve robinson in the michigan room at lcc's down campus and produced virtually by brock elsasor in the digital media audio and cinema program at lansing community college the soundtrack is licensed through dewolf music Want more Teachable Moment? Be sure to tune in to future episodes. And if you have an idea you'd like to discuss with me on the show, send me an email at steve.robinson at lcc.edu. Until next time, keep learning. This has been LCC DMAC, Lansing Community College Digital Media Audio and Cinema. Connecting you with Lansing Community College. This is LCC Connect. LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. Lansing Community College Performing Arts features several events and presentations throughout the year.
Find more information by visiting lcc.edu slash showinfo. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back, and of course we went to different cities. One day he called me out of the blue, and it's comforting to know that I always can count on him to have my back. We hadn't talked for a while, and then she texted me, and we went for a walk. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. I was away from my family during the holidays, and a friend invited me to their house for dinner. It really meant a lot. He knew I was having a rough week, so he asked me to go fishing with him. My friend knew that I didn't want to go out, so she brought me dinner instead. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call. Your presence. Your words. Your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. The foundation annually accepts scholarship applications from November through January. Learn more at lcc.edu scholarships. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Bob Myers from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. Anishinaabek children living throughout the Great Lakes region learned from adults and from the environment. Family members and friends taught children skills needed to survive. Like all children, Anishinaabek youths loved to play games. Some games were individual, such as foot races or wrestling matches. Others were team games, such as Bagetaway or lacrosse, which was created by indigenous people. The name lacrosse originated with a French Jesuit missionary, Jean de Brebeuf, who saw Huron tribesmen playing it in 1637. He called it lacrosse, French for the stick. The name seems to have had its origins in the French term for field hockey, le jeu de lacrosse. Native Americans played Bagetaway on a somewhat grander scale than the lacrosse games of today. Native American teams could number as many as 1,000 men, and the playing fields could be anywhere from a quarter mile to two miles in length. Native Americans also referred to Bagetaway as the little brother of war because it often resembled battle. Younger men learned the skills of war, including agility, endurance, and the use of a war club, by playing. Bagetaway games sometimes resulted in injuries and even deaths and could last for days. Children would not play with adults, but they could practice on their own until they grew older. Many of the games native children played prepared them for future roles in the tribe. For example, a boy who won many foot races might become a runner for his community, covering long distances to carry important messages to other villages. Young children would also compete in bow and arrow contests, which taught them critical hunting skills. Among the Native American tribes throughout Michigan and the Great Lakes region, learning was a way of life. Euro-Americans in Canada adopted Bagetaway in the 1830s. In 1856, William Beers, a dentist, founded the Montreal Lacrosse Club and soon codified the rules. By 1900, lacrosse had spread to the United States, England, Australia, and New Zealand. 
Roosevelt Sinclair started the first women's club in the United States at Bryn Mawr School in 1926. Today, more than 800,000 Americans play lacrosse. This Michigan History Moment was brought to you by michiganhistorymagazine.org. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.